we made this. everyone, and welcome to Without a Mouse Podcast, the podcast where we watch and review the obscure and forgotten live-action Disney movies on the hunt for a hidden gem. I'm Tim, and I am on my own in the studio this week, but as you know, that usually means I've got somebody to talk to still. This week, I have a very special guest. She is the co-host of the Tomorrowland Transit Authorities, one of my favourite podcasts, and she is also on YouTube with the channel Ivy Winter. It is Christine. Hello. Hi, thank you for having me. Right, we got through it that time. We did, we did. <laughs> well, this is the second time we've had to re- record this intro, because for some reason my uh, audacity just didn't decided it didn't want to record, but... Uh, <laughs> there's there's a blue line that's going wiggly so that's that's a good sign that is good i was like oh my god is it me did i do something like am i like the the tech curse or something <laughs> so yeah thank you very very much for joining us today and for uh wasting a bit of your weekend to talk to us that's <laughs> eh, fine i didn't have anything better to do now i'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> We were just saying, weren't we? It's typical that we're recording on the nice, the nicest day at the moment. Yeah, really. So did you want to give our listeners a little bit of a rundown of the content that you create? Yeah. So on YouTube, um, I have a Disney-centric channel, um, and I try to focus my content on helping people plan Disney World vacations. Disney World's usually my focus because it is my home park, the one I grew up going to. Um, I live on the East Coast, so it's the closest. But I have done some content on Disneyland. Um, I had the fortune of going to Disneyland Paris recently, so have done some stuff on that as well because um, it is quite different from Disney World. Yeah. And I really like to focus on what can really help somebody, everything from, you know, how to use mobile ordering to the best bathrooms in Disney World. Um <laughs> which is very important to me. Um, and then there's there's definitely fun stuff like um, my Unpopular Disney Opinion series uh, because apparently I have a lot of them and uh, I like to make people angry with them. <laughs> so it's just me ranting on camera for 10 minutes about why Navi River Journey is the best dark ride in Disney World. See, that's just going to bother people like Ooh, right away. Controversial. And then, like you said, I also am a co-host for a TTA podcast with Rob of Rob Plays. Um, and we've been doing that for, oh my gosh, I think it's been three years now. We just, we just realized that the other day. Well, I was thinking the other day, um, I remember listening to the hundredth episode and thinking it feels like that was like only a few days ago. And then you're on yeah. 180 now, is it? Yeah. How, yeah. I don't know where that time's gone. Cause as I say, it feels like it's gone really quick. <laughs> It, it definitely has. Few people know this, but Rob and I have been friends since elementary school. So I feel like that sort of dynamic, it just makes it so much fun. Yeah. Like it's literally just the two of us sitting down and just having a conversation about Disney. Um, and for some reason, people want to listen to that. <laughs> so there you go. At least you both have an interest in it because like... This is this is very true. <laughs> yeah. Trying to get Chris uh, enthused about certain things has been a bit of a challenge. And I, I, <laughs> to be honest, I absolutely don't don't blame him at all. I really enjoyed watching your videos about Disneyland Paris because obviously 
technically that's kind of my home park because right. it's not too far from England. It's the one that um, a lot of British kids end up going to um, with their families and things. So I always really enjoy watching, especially American vloggers going to the, the Paris park, just watching them be so excited about the things that are kind of the norm for us. <laughs> right and it's yeah i think i think what made it so exciting to me is you know i've had the fortune of going to disney world quite a lot um i still love it but it was going to a disney park that was completely new yeah just made it like 10 times more exciting and yeah there's definitely similarities we have some shared things but it's actually quite different um and and i uh, i had the best time i i feel like um it's kind of an underrated park and i uh, i loved it it was great you actually went on quite a good kind of time to go because um me and kirsty we went in 2016 um Mm. but as you say you went reasonably recently and they had quite a lot of investment between those two times so when yes one of the biggest things obviously that a lot of people know is disneyland paris or euro disney just made absolutely zero money for for literally decades so mm-hmm. the by the time i went in 2016 like there was a lot of parts of the park that were very clearly in need of some kind of uh money spending on them so it was a bit weird in that sense because it was literally just like um it kind of felt like a local park like a county park because of it being so in need of work but i think you probably went at a time when it had been it had a bit spent on it so yeah, so I went in September of last year, 2019. So, you know, I I I loved it, but also caveated I made a video about how much I loved it, but I knew that there is a big difference between, yeah. you know, before and now. So, I had to go into it with that perspective. <laughs> um, but oh my gosh, I absolutely fell in love with that park. Also, you guys have the best Space Mountain and the best Big Thunder Mountain hands down. Like just just wipe Disney World's away, bring yours over. <laughs> Thunder Mountain was actually down for the refit when I was there, so I was a bit gutted that I didn't <sighs> get to go on it. But um, yeah. then straight after we got back was when um, Phantom Manor went down for two years. So I was very happy to right. I was happy to have got Phantom Manor before it went down. So that was good. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, we need to get on with this because otherwise, <laughs> this is this is the worry of having someone on who actually gives a damn about <laughs> Disney. Is we talk can... about it forever? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because uh, yeah, it could be a four-hour podcast otherwise. So uh, yeah, so one thing we ask every guest so far that's been on the show is if they were to build their own Mount Rushmore with Disney characters, what would you put on it? So embarrassingly, I had to look up how many presidents. <laughs> because I couldn't remember. Do you know what? The only people that have had to do that are our American guests. Everyone else has been fine. Well, I will say nothing about that. But, <laughs> um, I, for some reason, I thought it was five. Um, it's four. So um, my first one would be Robin Hood. Nice. My second one would be Esmeralda. Yep. My third one would be Donald Duck. <laughs> And then my fourth one's getting kind of weird. It's just going to be a Dole Whip. Just a giant <laughs> Dole Whip carved into the side. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'd go with that. I will allow okay. it. Might have to like spray paint like a face on it or something to... Yeah, well, I mean, don't they have the plush with like the little faces? You could just you could just copy that. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Are you a Dole Whip float kind of person or a or a full-blown Dole Whip? Classic full-blown Dole Whip. I'm not big on the float. I just like the classic... You know, soft serve. 
when we went to Paris, it was like the hottest week on record for ages. Like it was, um, it nearly got to 40 degrees C. Um, I'll, I'll leave you to figure out what that is in Fahrenheit, but, um, <laughs> it was so hot. And we, the, the best thing we had all, all that week was definitely a Dole Whip float. Cause it was just so refreshing. Um, yeah. although it's technically not called a Dole Whip over in Paris. I can't remember what they call it over there. Yeah. It was, I, I remember when it came across, cause I was like, you don't have Dole Whips. And then I realized you do. They're just, <laughs> just different. To some, it was the fulfillment of a dream. To others, it was an instrument of destruction. A creation that could change the course of history. It was stolen from my factory. Where's the package? This is the FBI! What do we tell the president? Tell me exactly why this merchandise is so important to the feds. It's a rocket. A rocket? Ow! What? What's the matter? I don't know. There's something under the seat. Oh, my. What do we got here? What are you supposed to do? Is it a bomb or something? No. I wouldn't touch that if I were you. How do I look? Like a hood ornament. Stand clear. What was that? Are you trying to kill yourself? I like it. Uh oh, we got company. You steer, I'll push. Well, what? I want that rocket, Eddie. Not next week, not tomorrow. Now. Keep your eyes open for this dame. Jenny's in trouble. <gasps> They're working for a Nazi agent. With an army equipped with these, you could rule the world. Cliff! You touch one hair on her head, I swear out. <laughs> Shoot him! We've got the girl. The rocket will come to us. I love her, Peeve. Does she know that? She's gonna find out. Let him have it! Hand over the rocket! Go get him, kid. Why did you pick this film? In fact, did you want to introduce the film for us as well? Yes. Oh, I was so excited to watch this for, for this. Um, I picked The Rocketeer. And the reason I picked this movie was because I actually really loved this movie as a kid. And I remember watching it quite a bit growing up. I mean, it, it came out, what, early 90s? Yeah. Um, very early 90s. I think it was like 91. I was, oh God, I'm going to date myself right now. Uh, five years old when it came out. Um, and I watched it quite a bit growing up. I feel like the last time I watched it was around high school. Um, and I thought to myself, you know, it's been so many years. I want to see if this movie actually really holds up to the nostalgia that I had for it as a kid. Um, and you know, obviously with Disney Plus, it makes it so much easier to like, access these movies um so yeah that, that's why i picked it also rob goes on and on about how it's one of his favorite films <laughs> um and i was like oh it's been so long since i watched it so i had to give it a chance yeah yeah uh, 
I think we've mentioned a couple of times on previous episodes that I've been looking forward to eventually getting to the Rocketeer because because Rob does go on about it so much. Um, <laughs> he truly does. I was expecting, you know, like one of the you know the Citizen Kane of Disney films, but we'll we'll right. we'll see. We'll <laughs> we'll give it its chance. It's, yeah, it's interesting you talk about Disney Plus as well because um, Disney Plus still hasn't launched over here. Um, we've got another Ooh. couple of weeks to go. It's actually launching whilst we're in Florida, which is a bit of a bit, bit frustrating. But at the same time, it'll be there for us when we get back and we've jet lagged and we've got, you know, a day of just trying to <laughs> do as little as possible. So that's yeah. going to be fun to, to get on with. Something I don't know if you guys knew over there, but how frustrating is this? They are planning on releasing The Mandalorian one episode a week, despite the whole series already being out in America. Oh, that's annoying. Isn't it just? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's funny because I, I prefer that they actually did that with yeah. their original series because I it's funny. I feel like we went from that with syndicated television and then we got into the whole like binge sort of culture. But then I feel like we got burnt out by binge oh, yeah, things I agree. and yeah. feeling like you needed to, you needed to, or you're going to be spoiled. You know, you want to have the conversation with everyone at work on Monday. I have to watch everything. Um, it was nice to get it once a week. It was like, oh, I can, as a, as a very busy adult <laughs> who has to do adulting things, it was nice to like, you know, do it one at a time. But in, in that scenario, that to me, that doesn't make much sense. because It feels like a bit of a slap in the face to those of us yeah. that have kind of, you know, it, it's out there for us to, you know, watch by non-legal exactly. means if we want or, to. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. to have waited all this time to then still have to kind of wait week by week. But um, Such a strange decision. Yeah. And the only reason I haven't been finding these things other mean, by other means is obviously because as, as a Disney fan, there's quite a lot of content on disney plus that i want to watch so it's not like mm-hmm. that's the only thing but um of course yeah. anyway yeah that that's that is what it is <laughs> speaking of disney plus as well at the time of this recording um the most recent of our episodes that's gone out is our episode with steven anderson who's working on monsters at work and uh I didn't realize at the time of recording, but we actually got a bit of an exclusive on that because he kind of gave a vague release window. And so the weirdest thing at the moment is I keep getting our podcast keeps getting used as a news source everywhere. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then today I found out that we're actually a source on a Wikipedia page as well, which I was like, Whoa. yeah, that's cool. Now, now you really made it. Yeah, we've, we've absolutely peaked. End of year one and that's it. We're never going to get as, as cool as yeah. this. Anyway, so yeah, Rocketeer. Here we go. The film. So we don't get much of a sort of credit sequence. It's kind of just over credits rolling over the first scene where we've got a young plucky pilot who's uh, practicing with a brand new stunt plane. I had a quick look at the whether or not it was a real plane or not. And it was a real um, model of plane, which was quite cool. But um, okay. it was called, it's called the GB. And... It was really, really, it was basically the fastest thing. So it was really good for stunt racing, but it's literally just strapping a pilot to a pair of wings and a massive engine. So it was very unreliable. The most unreliable part of it apparently was the landing gear, which is really not a very (laughs) practical way of having your plane, I don't think. But yeah, it was this cute little stubby thing, looked quite cute in the air. And we get our opening, what's the word, the titles saying that it's we're in LA in 1938 so before world war 2 just and a long time right. a long time before you guys decided to join in as well 
I thought it was a decent opener for a film because obviously quite a lot of action going on. And then straight from that, uh, we get into a car chase with the mob as well. Right. A very, a very poorly, like they just can't, nobody can aim. No. Apparently in that entire scene. <laughs> it's just they're, spray and the pray. FBI ch- chasing the mob. And the FBI is can't be more than a few feet behind this car. Can't hit that car whatsoever, but somehow hits a plane. Yeah. <laughs> that that was it's like the physics of this yeah. doesn't make any sense, but okay. And as well, like the FBI, like it's the mob, then it's a normal cop car, then it's the FBI, and the FBI is so frustrated despite not being able to hit the mob but can hit a plane, like are able to like they shoot out the cop car to get them out of the way. <laughs> basically basically and then the the other thing that was like i don't understand how this works um is when the plane's going down and he can't there's a crack in the front of the plane so he can't see what he's doing and he punches out the window (laughs) of the plane and i was like if you could just punch your the front of your plane out I don't know. Is that is that like normal for that kind of plane back in the thirties? It just didn't seem very feasible or safe. Or yeah. Uh, and then, like when he gets to the ground, he actually can't get out of the plane, and he has they have to rush out and help him. And it's like, well, right, you, you just punched your way out of the window. Like I'm pretty sure it wouldn't take much more to like escape. And as well, like you, when you see shots of the interior as well, it's like made out of cardboard and plasticine yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. The mobs, the mob car ends up at the airfield as well, and they've got a mysterious package that they end up. Mm. Uh, basically, they they do the old switcheroo and uh, swap their package for a, a vacuum cleaner, which they then put in the boot of their car. I don't know if it is, but I thought this was a cool nod. Have you seen the film Tomorrowland? I have not yet. I know that's terrible, but uh, but I haven't. <laughs> well, um, we have an episode all about it, so you can decide no. whether or not it's uh, worth watching. Uh, the answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> but there is there is one little scene where one of the main characters, uh, the, the the kid that eventually grows into up to be George Clooney, he makes a rocket out of a very similar looking vacuum cleaner. So I wonder if that is a homage oh. to this. It's gotta be. Yeah. I, I would be shocked if it wasn't. As a Disney fan, I would really recommend watching the first like ten minutes of Tomorrowland because it starts. <laughs> <laughs> it starts at the nineteen is it sixty four World's Fair that I forget which. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I grew up in Queens, actually, not far from where that was originally held. Oh, so. very cool. <laughs> yeah. Is there much left for you to go and visit there? So yeah, I mean, it's just a park um, in Queens um, and. You can go on the grounds. Some of the buildings you can't go into anymore, um, but you can see a lot of the the sites from from then. And there's actually something called the Queen's Museum there as oh, well, nice. and they have all this amazing World's Fair in there. So that would make a good vlog. Yeah. Yeah. So the very first ten minutes of the film are set in that World's Fair, and they've pretty much like recreated a lot of the uh, oh, that's cool. interesting stuff from the disney was involved in including small Mm worlds and things like that but yeah once the actual plot kicks in i'd just turn it off (laughs) (laughs) um the the other thing i found funny about this so i think the fbi gets there as well right and they start i don't know why they're they're like bothering cliff cliff is the main character yeah um i just know at some point cliff sucker punches an fbi agent and then that fbi agent just punches him back 
and then somehow he just doesn't get arrested for this. It's like, <laughs> yeah. you literally just punched an FBI agent in the face. It's kind of... And everything's fine. Like, no problems <laughs> with that. Like It's kind of like, yeah, because the FBI kind of say, you know, like, this whole incident with the FBI causes his plane to crash, and... Um, the mob car crashes into a petrol tanker as well that's on the airstrip. So there's course, like course, it's an absolute yeah. massacre, and the FBI are just like <laughs> tough shit. I'm, we're off now. See you later. Yeah, <laughs> Maybe they kind of decided, you know, one punch from a guy who we're not going to compensate. We we can probably <laughs> let that. We'll let that slide. <laughs> I wonder if the FBI were truly like this in the 30s. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but we see a little shot of basically the vac- the vacuum cleaner's been destroyed um, right. in the explosion. So they think it's you know it's it whatever they thought the mob had has been destroyed, but it's not. It's really the vacuum cleaner. I really like a lot of the very nineteen thirties sort of mobster uh, film noir dialogue that keeps coming up in these bits. Uh, yeah, the one bit so that my, I had. My... I had to write down one thing that the FBI says to the surviving mobster was, your buddy's been fitted for a pine overcoat. <laughs> <laughs> but it yeah, it's just loads of little quips like this, which I was like, yeah, good. Yeah, um, my husband was watching it with me. He's never seen this movie, by the way. Right. Um, and uh, we were dying. Like We made a joke that we should have a drinking game every time someone says scram. <laughs> because that was just used throughout the film. And you were like, did they just look at a list of like, you know, words that people slang that people <laughs> used back then? And they were like, scram's great. Let's just litter it into the dialogue. Yeah, it's very pulpy, isn't it? But um, yeah. the film... But I love it. I think I love it for that. Oh, yeah. And know? the film was, um, we've not said, but it was based on a, an old comic book. Um, yes, yeah, which I haven't read. Novel. I didn't really know it was a comic book until I did. I think I think a lot of people don't. Yeah, no. I did also see that because um, I obviously you have to look at a bit of IMDb stuff before you do a film podcast. Right, right. And apparently, last year Disney did like a, a kids uh, Disney Channel series about the Rocketeer, which I didn't realize. Yeah, with a female Rocketeer. Oh, I very think, cool! Right? But let's go. Three helmet on. Two. Rocket pack secured. One avionics check. Blast off. Clear to rocketeer. Let's get to work, team. Let's do This is so ace. There's a new hero in town. Help! Never fear. I'm the rocketeer. Thank you. A high flying. I know I'm meant to be in the sky. <laughs> Day saving. Hang on, sir. I've got you. Superhero kid. Rocketeer to pilot. We have your back and your wings, too. After seeing what you did today, I'm sure I am looking at a hero. The Rocketeer series premiere Friday, November 8th at 11 over on Disney Channel. I feel like there's... It's got its like cult following and i think people know of the movie even if they haven't seen it you know yeah. um so it's yeah it's interesting that they did that maybe they're testing the waters to see if they can add the rocketeer to the marvel uh, cinema universe later on yes do it that would work <laughs> um we then go to a very different hangar um which is all white and very sterile which is turns out i, I thought it was the government's to begin with but it turns out that it's um 
owned by the real life uh, entrepreneur Howard Harold Howard Hughes, and he's basically learning about it was his thing that was stolen, and he learns that it is being destroyed. The government are basically asking if he would rebuild it, to which he's like, nah, I'm good, thanks. Yeah, he was like, three of my men have died. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, yeah. And by the way, this is played by Terry O'Quinn, who I always know as the Lost Guy. He was John Locke in Lost. I don't know if you ever watched that it show. It took me halfway through the film. I was like, who the hell is this guy? I know him from somewhere. And then, yeah. Obviously... He's so young in this movie. That's what I mean, threw me off, yeah. His, his voice gave it away for me. Yeah. Um, but he looks so... It, like, blows my mind. Um, and so I kept just calling him the lost guy throughout <laughs> the whole movie. Yeah, so uh, John Locke, he's very... Um, he says, you know, he's not letting his inventions kill any more people, so he throws the plans into the fire. Right. Which then, later on in the film, kind of sets up the idea... Uh, there's a plot thread of one of the other characters kind of rewriting the blueprints... But it never really goes anywhere. That doesn't. That th- plot thread doesn't yeah, play, pay off. There's a few things like that in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we go back to the 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 airstrip in the desert where the main character Cliff uh, works, and the boss man is not happy and has basically billed him for all of the things that have been broken. Mm-hmm. Which again doesn't feel very fair when you know for a fact it was the FBI's fault. Right, build the government. What are you doing? Yeah, they have the money. <laughs> The the government always have the money for things that they don't want to spend it on, though, don't they? Right, right. (laughs) (laughs) The boss man kind of suggests that if he, you know, if he can't make the money himself, he should um, get back involved in the flying clown act, which he agrees to because he wants the money. They so they go to their old plane, and under the seat they find um, what we learn later is the X three, and it is basically the rocket of said rocketeer. There's a bit of commotion where they accidentally set it off inside the hangar and it's flying about all over the place. Um, mm-hmm, of course. Classic Disney-like physical gags, you know. Kind of looked pretty good for the effects of the time for 1991, I thought. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny. Watching this film and, and knowing the year it came out, there were moments where I was like, oh, those effects aren't so bad. And then some where I was like, oh, God, this is horrible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it it's seemed a bit to hit and fluctuate. Miss. Yeah. Um, but I was actually, there was one or two moments where I was impressed with how it wasn't as nearly as bad as I thought it was going to be. We're at that time where they do try and make as much a practical effect as possible. And I think that does help. Yes. So there's, it's very yes. sparing with its actual CGI. There was a moment. So when the boss, when Cliff's boss sees the rocket, he delivers the line. What do we have here in the most unexcited way possible (laughs) like it just i was like how you just found a rocket like a a rocket pack basically and he's just like what do we have here yeah like he was just so not like into what was happening (laughs) and i was like whoa that is like not the reaction that you have especially you know it's 1938 and this thing is like very you know yeah and also like this character who's called PV. Yes, PV. <laughs> he is also like he's the techie of the film. He's the engineer. Yes. So you'd think he would be the the most excited person. Exactly. <laughs> no, nothing. Just monotone. Just like <laughs> Yeah, that that was pretty funny. Then they decide they're going to test this rocket ship by mm. uh, this backpack, sorry, by stealing a statue 
of vandalism. The, well, yes, vandalism. Vandalism. It's horrible. But also, like, it's a statue of the owner of the airstrip on the yes. airstrip, and I was like, what a weird little man to think is he needs right, a statue right. of himself at his own so i was like yeah maybe they kind of steal that that's a bit weird yeah <laughs> so then we get a scene we we finally meet our villain of the piece um because we mm. see the mob um and they're at this very art deco grand house it looks like an egyptian i kept looking to my husband and saying does he live in like an egyptian like castle or like <laughs> But like like a bad like prop set version of it in Hollywood, you yeah. know? I was just like, I don't, <laughs> I don't understand. The boss of the mobs kind of saying to this guy who's called Sinclair, you know, what's going on? All my men are dead, um, and it's it's Timothy Dalton. It's good old James. It, it Bond. is indeed. It is <laughs> <laughs> the best James. I Bond. forgot he was in this movie, and I was like, oh my! It's funny because a lot of the actors are actually, you know. They, they were big actors or went on to be big actors. Like mm. Jennifer Connelly will get to her eventually, plays the girlfriend. She's done a lot of stuff since this movie. Yeah. And you're just like, I know all these people, but man, why were they on this movie? <laughs> like... Well, there were, there were plans as well for like, they really, Disney really wanted a a big star to play Cliff as well, but he's a, he's a newcomer in this. And basically the guy that, and I'm, I'm sorry, I can't remember his name, but uh, he got the part. I mean, obviously he was a, a he's a pretty decent actor. But the main thing was for the audition, he'd already read The Rocketeer. So he came as the character to the audition oh, and I like, got his hair wonderful. cut and everything. So I was like, yeah, that's Billy pretty, Campbell, that's, the that's one. his name. Yeah. I had to do a quick Google search. Yes. He also, I mean, even my husband went, that's a good looking guy. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's part of the reason he got picked. I'm sure. And you know, a lot of the times, especially, especially in some of the other Disney films we've watched, like when they, when they hire a pretty boy, usually it means they can't act. But I think this guy is he's pretty good. Yeah. He's not, yeah. you know, he's not the best you've ever seen, but he's, he, yeah. he gets the job done. Um, yep, I agree. And I just wanted to like point out, you know, uh, Timothy Dalton as Sinclair. Um, he's got the flowing white shirt and a fencing sword. And straight away, I was like, "This guy's character's going to be an actor, isn't he?" Like, this is this is typical, stereotypical nineteen uh, thirties British actor, right? And now, right. and then I got mad as well because I was like, "Oh, great! Yet another film where the Brit- the only British character is the bad guy." As as always, well, you know, <laughs> your accents just sound so evil. That's that's <laughs> that's what it is. But then I got ri- and then I got angry again because I was like, I know when this film is set, so we're also then going to say that this British guy later on is a Nazi. Right? So I was like, mm. Nah, come on. You can have you can have a Nazi or you can have a you can have a Nazi bad guy or a British bad guy. But you can't have a British oh, Nazi bad guy. He's an actor. Oh yes, you know? I'm I'm sorry. He yes, act like a British guy. <laughs> Yeah, so he's he's mad because he really wants that rocket. The mob leader kind of says, you know, what what does a movie star need a rocket for anyway? Um, and then after this, after the mob leaves, Timothy Dalton Bond has a phone call with his hitman called Lothar, um, and says that you know he's he's got another job for him, um, which will obviously be and- to get that rocket yeah and lothar has the worst prosthetic face i've ever seen <laughs> like it's just 
I was like, what? And then, like, when he talks, like, you can t- just, like, his lips can barely move, you know? His whole face wobbles oh whenever he talks because of the prosthetic, yeah. I feel like he scared me a little bit when I was a kid, but I think it's just because of his prosthetic face just looking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then we get our next scene of testing the rocket, and they've tethered the uh, statue to the ground on a big bit of rope. But, mm-hmm. you know, of course the rope, the stake don't hold. So, you know, off he goes. But very fortunately then just flies straight back down to Earth. Yeah. Does, does a bit of a loop-de-loop and comes straight back. <laughs> it's like a boomerang. Like, what? what? <laughs> Realistically, that thing would have been gone. Yeah, that like, would be it. It would have just ended up somewhere else. But no. Even, you know, it could have ended up in the outer atmosphere or anything it could have right <laughs> uh i know you know they're having the the usual spiel you get in these situations which is you know we could be rich and then uh then they realize that w- then the uh mannequin co- well statue comes down to earth head first so they make the decision mm-hmm. oh maybe we should make a helmet and i was like well Surely that you would have thought of that first. Like right. you don't need to see a horrific accident to know you should wear the helmet, surely. <laughs> yeah, but it gives us that great moment where you see him making the helmet. You know, yeah. you, you gotta have that. Because it's so that is a, a I mean, obviously the whole Rocketeer outfit is great. Like that leather jacket is the coolest thing ever. It is a very cool look, isn't it? But you know, the the helmet is the quintessential piece of it and so you know you got to call attention to it then from this scene we get introduced to jennifer connelly's leg because yep. <laughs> yep. it cuts to her rolling on her uh was it fishnet i can't remember if it's fishnets or nylons i think it was fishnets wasn't it and i was like okay um not the best way to introduce your only female character in your film mm. um yeah and yeah, we learned that this is uh, Cliff's girlfriend. He, so she lives, I, it seems like in some sort of women's dorm or something like that. Um, and he, he comes to take her out for a date. And <laughs> I remember the woman, there's like this older woman who like runs the building yeah. who is like, you gotta have her back before whatever. And he goes, okay, warden. she's like oh my god the the thing that i'd written down is a a quote from the warden she says if he tries anything deck him and i was like yeah that's good (laughs) yeah yeah that was that was good and then he like brings her to the diner yes because he's like friends with everybody in this diner that has like a giant bulldog on the outside yeah first of all i love how they introduce the diner is that you see an actual bulldog and then it's walking down the path, and then here's a diner with a giant bulldog statue, yeah. and you're like, okay, I get Apparently, it. Apparently, this was a real-life uh, cafe back in the day. Really? Yeah, and uh, it did burn down in the 70s, unfortunately. <gasps> oh, that's sad. But there is a replica in a like a motoring museum somewhere in the US. So, wow. Th- yeah, but it is literally just like a giant bulldog, isn't it? <laughs> so you can, you, can, you can visit the... Rocketeer diner replica. That's exciting. So I don't know if they, I don't know if Disney then rebuilt their own version for the film, or if they they yeah. might have shot it in the in the replica. I don't, I don't really know. Interesting. So Lothar's hitman, his plan is that one of the mob is in hospital, has been hospitalized, mm. and will know where the rocket is. So Lothar turns up at the hospital and uh, asks him, you know, where, where's the rocket, and he's tells him it's at the airfield and we get this weird like cheesy shot of um 
the policeman that's supposed to be guarding him with a nurse out in the corridor listening to the radio. Yeah, they're listening to the radio, <laughs> so they can't hear anything. And then, like, whatever they're listening to stops and they just hear, Aah! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My other favorite part of that. So, wait, did he, he kill the guy, right? Yeah, he does, yeah. Hospital? He like, leaves him suspended in the air from all of it, the... That was crazy for a Disney movie. Yeah. <laughs> What is happening? But the best part of that entire scene that I could not stop laughing at was Lothar is the name of the henchman, yeah. right? Yeah. He, they come in, they can't find him. And they're like, where is he? And then you get this shot of him <laughs> on the windowsill yep. outside of, like, you know, on the side of the building. And you see him, his feet, basically his legs and his feet. So, you know, okay, that's how he's hiding. And then he does this, like, weird shuffle backwards and all you see is his feet shuffling out of frame and i was in hysterics i'm not even joking the the note that i've put here is a weird shuffle (laughs) (laughs) i was absolutely wetting myself at that bit it's like he's like happy with himself he's just like as he's like i wrote down the tiptoe from the window wtf So then we go back to the, yeah, we go to the Bulldog Cafe. Cliff's dissing the movie that they'd just seen, which was a Sinclair movie, by the way, we should say. Right. And and the girlfriend, so she is like very into Sinclair movies. She's trying to be an actress. Yeah. Um, she like auditioned for a role. So she's like excitedly telling him about that. Yeah. But I think this is the moment. So he tells her about the flight earlier. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, everything was fine. We just had some issue with landing. But then, of course, one of his, like, buddies in the diner gives away that he actually crashed. Yeah, which she didn't know. And so she gets... Yeah. Uh, understandably gets a bit uh, pissy. Understandably, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My husband was like, you know, by the way, I practically crashed in a tiny little plane. Um, I'd be pretty upset too if if I wasn't told about that. Yeah, she's a bit pissy as well because um, this is apparently the only place he ever takes her. So yes, um, she references you know wanting me to be taken somewhere else. One of the places that she references is the uh, the Brown, Brown Derby, Derby, which yeah. we have in Disney World. Well, mm-hmm. I'm a, that's one of your favourite haunts isn't it it is i i highly recommend that restaurant it's a, uh, it's really it's good. signature dining isn't it so it's two credits i believe for I dining think so yeah. i've i admit i've never done the dining plan as a solo traveler it doesn't make a lot of sense for me but um i i think it's I, go for lunch it's a little cheaper than it's it's worth it well we got the dining plan on our package this year because um how it like especially this particular year they're mm-hmm. disney are trying to get people out because obviously a lot of people will be waiting for the 50th anniversary next year so right. any any booking from the uk to disney world over this whole year you get your dining plan included you get wow. um your memory maker included oh wow that's huge. which is brilliant yeah and um we also get a 200 dollar gift card on, on arrival so oh my gosh they're <sighs> Why don't I live in the UK? Well, the thing is, though, <laughs> we don't you know, get these kind of deals. it's because, you know, we don't go down for three days at a time. Like we book for like right. two weeks on, on, a, right. on a, one trip. So <laughs> so they like to incentivize us for, for going. So it does mean that obviously most of the time we're paying full price for the, the room. But it does mean you get, you know, like I, it, it wouldn't be we would definitely not have been able to afford to stay on property if it didn't also mm. include all of the food. <laughs> 
Right. So yeah, I think we've we've got a couple of signature meals booked. We're going to do um, we've got a date night at California Grill, oh, which will be nice, and uh, we're off to the Hoop to Do review. And I think we've got an oh, and on the very last night, I know a lot of people say it's not worth it, but we're doing our last evening at uh, Magic Kingdom, so we've booked be our guest, which is a two credit reservation so interesting i'm not sure if that will be worth it but Mm. you know it seems nice shall see (laughs) i'll report back (laughs) yeah so she's she's understandably annoyed and she leaves and then cliff's mates tell him to you know go after her Mm -hmm. then we get to cliff's house and it turns out that he lives with this other guy pv and pv's working on something and it turns out that by the next morning, he's he's built the helmet, and we get the the mm-hmm. reveal of the helmet. And yeah, it's it's all you know. The music swells, and it's all very like this is important. Look at this. Yes. But it, yeah, as you say, it's a very iconic piece of clothing. That helmet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then from there, we go to a Sinclair film shoot. This is one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie, by the way. Oh, yeah. I, I enjoyed this quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's because you come in on the movie being filmed, but you don't quite know it's a set yet. No. Right? Because <laughs> it's just like you're in the scene. And Sinclair's character has like some really funny lines. <laughs> There's a moment where he like, I don't know, he gets him like a staircase onto a table and like grabs a ball of wine and starts chugging it. Like it's yeah. just so over the top kind of. 1930s 40s film yeah and i just i just love it and then it gets interrupted by this woman giving a terrible rendition of a line yeah <laughs> and we find out it's which was the producer's niece isn't it yes it's the producer's niece <laughs> and it was the role that jenny wanted so but she's just like in the background yeah she's all pissed off yeah she's just an extra um, and then and then they redo it again so it's like yeah i love i love that whole scene i think it's it's just I don't know. It's fun. It's well done. And then Cliff turns up and manages to knock over one of the flats in the set and nearly like... Two of them, actually, <laughs> which made no sense. He was he was against one of them and that one falls. Great. Makes sense. Fine. Even though I don't think a person could actually push that over. But, but then there's another one that falls down, like down the other way. And I was like, this doesn't... How? How? Well, I was like, this is <laughs> not his fault in any sense because like... Whoever built this set did it very it's badly. <laughs> like yes. the, the walls yes. should not be able to fall on the actors. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, yeah. So he nearly kills Sinclair at this point, uh, which would have made the film a lot shorter. Really, it would have. Uh, mm. Maybe that should have Done. been the, yeah. the finale. But yeah, Jenny gets uh, banned from set because you know Cliff shouldn't have turned up. It was a closed set, um, so he's getting her into trouble, and he then takes her to one side and tells her about the rocket, which Sinclair actually overhears. So he then has a very convoluted plan because Cliff leaves too quickly for Sinclair to get to him. So instead he decides right. that he's going to schmooze up with Jenny. Jenny, yeah. Well, because now she's like twice as mad at Cliff, right? Because yeah. she's like, well, you've come in. Oh, she gets fired from the set because for some reason they blame her because he was looking for her. Yeah. The way this thing works is very strange. That's so unfair. Yeah. Um, but they blame her because Cliff knocked it over and he was looking for her. So they're going to fire her. And so she's really mad at Cliff. Totally understand. And then while she's over in the corner crying about it, James Bond <laughs> smoozes over 
and then like asks her out on a date and i was like this is really devious yeah like and there's this this whole plot thread gets so weird to me because it does get really so yeah he invites her to the south seas club for dinner and Mm. obviously at this point you assume his reasoning for this is to find out who cliff is and where he lives and then right. and then after that he'll you know fob off jenny like he doesn't need her anymore right. but then he finds this information out still goes on the date and then later on like kidnaps her and stuff and it just yeah is... and and i i had some issues with like jenny because i want to be like cliff's your boyfriend right like from what i've understood it's not like oh we've gone on a few dates but we're not a serious thing. <laughs> Cliff's your boyfriend yeah. and you're going on this date and getting all like gaga over <laughs> this actor. And I was like, this, is this cheating? Like, I don't know what what is happening right now, but it's not good. No. It doesn't make her look good. It doesn't make anybody you know? look good in this part. I know. Uh, yeah, that whole thing. And then he asks her to dance and then that's all weird and creepy. Yeah. But my favorite part of that whole thing was, you know, Cliff goes first of all there's a great moment he goes to the restaurant and what they do to avoid um having to do another like cg of him or whatever it was back then of him flying around you see the shadow of the rocketeer come down on the side of a building and then he lands and then you see him walk into view yeah and i was like what a great little disney moment of like how do we cut the budget on this but make it actually look like he's flying in i thought that was so good. i read a really interesting um plan of what the scene was supposed to come out like um which was he was supposed to land outside the chinese theater in cement and leave footprints. Oh god! And then, oh god! So, I'm so glad they cut yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> and then so apparently the shot was he would land, like put his feet in the cement, walk off, and then someone else would come in and write the Rocketeer in the floor. <laughs> what? How would that even make any sense? Oh my god! Yeah, gosh. so I think it's probably a good thing that they trimmed the budget out of that bit. <laughs> Yeah, but I also love in that scene at the restaurant that he decides to pretend to be a waiter. Yeah. And all he does is put the waiter's coat over his leather jacket. <laughs> so his leather jacket is like sticking out of the bottom. I was like, I don't, <laughs> this is the most ill-fitting, horrible thing. And somehow nobody notices that he doesn't belong. It's like he's an action figure that you just have to like, you can't take his clothes off. So you have to put other clothes over the top kind of thing. Seriously. Did, well, do wait, do we miss? the part i'm sorry i think we've, we went a little forward we definitely we skipped the... a big chunk yeah <laughs> yes we did the big i mean not that there's much to be said for it but <laughs> that scene at the race yeah he shows up to the race late um someone else takes the place of the clown who can't really fly why they let that happen i don't know <laughs> and then he's like oh, i gotta save him so he straps on the jetpack and this is the public lets everybody in the public know yeah. <laughs> that this thing exists yeah to save his And mate. then you've got your zany, you know, physical, you know, flying around. You had the moment that was... So, I don't know if you know this, but there is a moment in that scene that is referenced in The Mandalorian. Oh, right. Okay. Ooh, do I want the spoiler? Um, not, on? Yeah, go for it. Give us the spoiler. Are you <laughs> yeah. sure? Like, I don't want to... <laughs> okay. So, the... Um, the scene where he starts flying up and he's like next to a plane, like way up in the sky. And he, I think he gives it, oh, he like does a little salute. Oh, right. right yeah. 
he like sees the part. There is a moment that reflects that in Mandalorian, ah. that exact scene. And when I saw it, I was like, oh my gosh, that's directly from the Rocketeer. So it's <laughs> it's so interesting that this movie it's such a it's such an interesting cult movie, and I love that it gets these references in other things. Well, that's it confirmed. There's definitely a Rocketeer two coming straight to Disney Plus in uh, in 2021. <gasps> We've we've just figured just out. Just get the everybody back. Get Billy Campbell, old <laughs> Billy Campbell. <laughs> yeah, so he saves he saves the guy. There was a really funny. I wrote it down. So at the end, like you know, everyone's like, oh, taking photos and newspapers are writing things. I think that's when they name him, right? Uh, yes, that's when the Rocketeer They're- gets named. Yeah. Yes. And then there's a great headline that says, Flying Man Saves Pilot. Yeah. And I was like, that's a great, that that was great. I really, really like that. I thought it was really funny for this whole scene because like, yeah, you've got the press that are at this race in the middle of nowhere that doesn't look like right. it's, you know, anyone needed to be there. But they, for some reason, they actually, you know, they're there with their cameras and everything, which is all very convenient. But then as well, even more convenient, all the mob are sat in the audience and they're just like... I mean, the mob like a good race. Well, you know? yeah, I, mean, I suppose. Yeah, there's, there'll right. have been some money changing hands, I guess. <laughs> but uh, yeah, th- this is a point where I was like, I, I did a double check and we were 41 minutes into the film and we've got our first flight of the Rocketeer. I thought that was quite, right. quite a long time to, to get into it. It was, but I also like that they, I like that this scene shows him as kind of bumbling. It's not yeah. like he just puts the rocket on and he knows how to use yeah. it. He's definitely a mess, you know. He has that moment, again, with the breaking of the planes, where he he flies up and his head goes through the bottom of the plane, <laughs> yeah. like between the guy's legs, which I was like, okay, interesting choice. But again, so how, how, like... That would never happen. Even with a helmet, your head cannot go through the bottom of the plane. These planes are made of cardboard. You were correct. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's pretty. It's a pretty decent, funny kind of uh, action scene. Yeah. Um, and then, st- then straight from that, and I, I assume this was kind of a second scene, but it technically follows, I think it follows straight on, is then he goes off flying as the rocketeer. So I, it was kind of almost like a montage, but in real time, because he goes like, he flies up to a passenger plane, he flies through a field of right. corn, he flies over a pond, he flies through someone's uh, washing. But yeah, it, rather than it being like, it it should have been shot, I think, as a montage of him learning how to fly. But no, this is, hap- this is he saved this it's person's life and, yeah. and then just goes yeah. off on it. And a, somehow he doesn't die. Yeah. I'm watching what he's doing and I'm like, you would be dead. Yeah. (laughs) And then he, yeah, he ends up in the water of a lake all uh, wet and the mob are seen arriving in their car. So we get what I thought Mm. was the shittest effect of this whole film and very, very silly, which is... I know exactly what you're going to (laughs) say. PV's uh, truck won't start, so the Rocketeer stands on the back of the truck and uses his rocket as a booster. (laughs) And you just see this car flying through the field. My husband in this moment turns to me and goes... 1940s cars or 30s cars could not go that fast. That thing would just break down. <laughs> he was so mad about it. He was like, they would never be able to handle that. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was, was like, funny. okay. We're we're nitpicking the physics of the Rocketeer. Gotcha. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then uh, we get a really 
a very very brief scene which I quite liked, which was kind of um, Cliff getting almost his Clark Kent moment, where he's at a yes. newsstand and everyone's you know talking about the Rocketeer, and all the ladies are going on about how Bet you he's cute and yeah that whole thing when you know all I've seen of him is his uh, weird Cyberman helmet, but yeah of course he must be dreamy under there, uh, <laughs> but yeah he he quite enjoys. The, the anonymity of it. Mm. Then, yeah, we see that Sinclair's getting pissed off. And we see the FBI getting a ticking off from Hughes as well. For basically, you know, everyone's annoyed that the Rocketeer has been made public. Then right. we get the FBI turn up at Cliff's airfield. And they find his boss man, not PV, the other, the actual boss man, is is literally folded in half in his office. I, I'm t- some, you know, I don't know how I watched this as a kid and like came out okay because I, I feel like that's really violent for like a. T- I mean, there's some things in this movie that I was like, I can't believe this was in this movie. Um, that was one of them. It's kind of that thing where like the the idea of being folded in half is disgusting and gruesome, but then like the visual sure. effect of them got like some. F- they show his face and then like some fake legs poking into the shot from above. right, right, right. So it's like super silly, <laughs> yeah. but like. Yeah, but yeah, that was funny. They then they realize that he's basically given the FBI, he's given the mob Cliff's address, and the F, so the FBI and the mob are both off to Cliff's house. At this point, the right. FBI assume the Rocket Man, uh, the Rocketeer, sorry, is basically a bad guy, I suppose, because he stole. They they assume that Cliff is the one that stole the rocket. Right. Which gets very confusing because it, it's quite complicated because there's so many different factions at this point because you've got the you've got the FBI, you've got Howard Hughes, you've got the mob, you've got Cliff. It, yeah, it's very confusing. But they yeah. they basically all have a showdown at Cliff's house uh, where the Right. Well, and and I think that so the hench that big henchman guy is going after him. Oh yeah, I forgot and him as well. They're like, "Oh, the FBI's here." But then the F the FBI think they are shooting at them. So nobody's because they don't see inside the house. They don't know that the mob is there. So they just assume Cliff is shooting at them. Yeah. Like it just makes everything like 10 times worse. And then going back to this idea of nobody being able to hit anything, um, like literally 20 FBI men outside with machine guns all line up and just spray the whole of Cliff's house with bullets. And uh, Cliff still doesn't get shot. Neither does the big henchman, who's like the biggest dude. He is the biggest target that you could have. And somehow he just ducks and runs. Yeah. <laughs> He's fine. As I said earlier, PV had been writing out the blueprints for the by sort of studying the rocket. But uh, right. Hitman guy manages to steal these plans. Steal yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, yeah, finally, we get to the South Seas Club. Um, mm-hmm. And... So we've already had Howard Hughes, who is a is a real life uh, a, a historical figure in the South Seas Club. Literally, anybody that walks past is a is a fiction is a is a historical person, like a, based in Hollywood at the time. So you see Clark Gable, W. C. Fields, things like that. But what did you think to the club? I thought it was pretty fancy, big, nice, big set. It was. Um, I had that thought of like, what is it with like shells in like the forties? <laughs> like, I feel like you always see that. Yeah. Like the bandstand thing is a giant like mermaid shell. Um, I thought it was. It was. It was good. It felt like the the time period. I love. There's a scene 
before Sinclair, I think it's before he starts, or like in between the date, where he's like in this like private room. Yeah. And he's talking to the mob. And there's this like ridiculous line where he says something about being the number one uh, or or the number three uh, actor in America. And then the mob guy's like, number three jerk. <laughs> <laughs> like, and I was like, what? <laughs> what a great comeback. <laughs> For all of this film's faults, the dialogue was pretty good throughout, I thought. There's some- it was... It was silly, but yeah, yeah, it definitely just made you laugh because you were like, that is some mobster saying number three jerk is just the most ridiculous thing, but it somehow works. Can you imagine seeing that in a, in a speech bubble over someone's head in a comic book? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and it was a comic book. Yeah. That makes sense. So I think at that point is when Cliff comes over. That's the waiter, right? So they're, they're whining and dying. The thing I was going to mention. So we get, um, in the kind of establishing bit where we first arrive at the club, we see, yeah, as you said, we see the band, the the clamshell opens and this this mm-hmm. female singer comes out and starts singing. And again, I was like, who is that? I re- I definitely recognise that person. Did you recognise that person at all? I did not. Are you a fan of The Office? Uh, I mean, I've seen, I, I'm not one of those people who's watched the whole thing all the right. way through, but I do know the show because well. Because completely off guard I re- and completely different to this role i realized it was jan from the office the uh the area manager from uh from no yeah and i couldn't believe it because obviously the two roles are so completely different oh my gosh i need to i'm like literally googling this as we speak because i need to see the actually i'm really praying now that it was because i didn't technically check but i'm pr- i'm no i i think you might i am 98 percent right. sure melora harden that's the actress's name yeah somebody <laughs> I love how I scroll down. I see that's Jan in the Rocketeer, <laughs> and there's an image. Let me see. <gasps> that is her. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So again, that took ages wow. to figure that out because she doesn't even have a, a speaking role. She's just singing. Yeah. I mean, and so there's. I'm looking at gifts that somebody lined up from the office and the movie, and like you can see it when it's. When you see the side-by-side, but I would have never got that when I was watching it. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. So yeah, this is when Cliff comes over, talks to Jenny, tries to get her to come and have a secret conversation. and He slips the note into the the soup bowl and then pours the soup over it, (laughs) which actually was not a bad idea. I was like, okay, okay, I see what you're doing. Yeah, Basically says, you know, we'll, we'll meet you you've got to get out of here because of Sinclair and stuff. And so they get chased out and basically end up hiding out at the Bulldog Club because the mob are after them. The FBI, you know, still think that they're bad guys. So they decide to... I should have made more detailed notes at this point. It's it's a very it's confusing so convi- <laughs> It's so convoluted again, but, but I think it's purposely convoluted because it is it is right. such a ridiculous sort of setup. Of Well, so I... I think she is still because she gets chloroforms at the restaurant at right? some point. Does yeah, she get away? and again, this yes. is this is all kind of like they they all know where Cliff lives at this point and where he hangs out and all of this. So I, I don't quite understand why Sinclair just keeps like kidnapping Jenny. I suppose he's like weirdly. I think there's something more going on there yeah. that's not just like for that. Yeah. But yes, I love how we just straight chloroforms her classic uh you know way of kidnapping and then yes then cliff is in the diner and then the mob shows up right 
the mob shit. But they still don't know what he looks like. <laughs> yeah, that's it. They've they've never seen him. So, but then like right. there's obviously they they kind of Sherlock Holmes their way around the club to find all the clues. Mm. Like there's there's pictures of Jenny and Cliff, and there's Jenny's number on the wall and things and all i could think the whole time was what a gdpr nightmare this club would have been (laughs) by modern standards and i do like though that there's a camaraderie there yeah that nobody gives cliff away everyone stands up to them everyone tries to make jokes about him moving out of the state and like it's i mean because you it is established, like you said in the beginning, that he takes Jenny there all the time. But it's clear that he has like this really great relationship with the people that work yeah. there. And I thought it was kind of an endearing scene yeah. that it was like all these people were not going to give up that Cliff was sitting right the there. The whole time. <laughs> but yeah, the, the mob split up. So half of them go to the club to let Sinclair know what's happening. Um, and then there's a big brawl that ensues, which is, again, ni- nice mm-hmm. little bit of action. Oh, so then they're off to save Jenny, is the plan. Then they then they'll give the rocket back to the FBI. So they're basically of course, at this yeah. point they're saying, you know, we are good guys, but we've got to save the day first. Yeah, and I think at that point he's like, I don't even want this thing anymore. <laughs> yeah. like he just says like, absolutely <laughs> not worth it. it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then they realize that there's a bullet hole in the rocket, but. There's, there's been a, a few instances before this of um, using gum as kind of like a lucky thing. So they, they he always sticks gum on his plane and stuff. And he had stuck gum on the rocket, but they just picked it up and plugged the hole with this gum at this point. Um, right. And yeah, we get back to... That's how that works. Then we go back to the club and there's, it starts with this ridiculously creepy bit where Sinclair convinces Jenny to dance, even though there's no music yeah, playing. no music? Yeah, oh. it's so weird. It is really creepy, isn't it? Like, there's nothing like romantic. I don't know. It's really, it's really weird. And somehow they're dancing, like, makes the band decide. You know what? We should probably should play a song. Yeah. So then they start, and then everybody else starts dancing with them. And I was like, that's okay. Yeah. And then Cliff turns up. He hides the rocket in the club's laundry room. Mm-hmm. Sinclair, at this point, finally turns the conversation to Cliff to actually, you know, interrogate his his witness, uh, which is Jenny. Mm. Um, yeah, it's all just very convoluted. And she, yeah, her and Cliff have a conversation and she's saying that, you know, you're just jealous. Um, but then he, Cliff tells her that Sinclair's had the boss man from the uh, airfield killed. And he said, that he mm. finally tells her that he is the rocketeer. But at this point, mm. Jenny hasn't a clue what the rocketeer is because she wasn't there. <laughs> the Anything that's right. happened. So he tells her that it's not safe and that she should go to her mum's. And at this point, that's when Sinclair finds the little note that he'd left her. Didn't pour enough soup on it, man. Just wasn't enough soup. So we get a chase around the building with the rocketeer. Actually, he's actually using his rocket and it's he flies up the laundry chute and stuff. There's a scene where he's flying around the club just trying to cause commotion. But every mm-hmm. time he flies over a table, the whole table explodes. <laughs> not just like not catch fire from the you know the rocket or anything like the whole thing just like a few papers flying (laughs) around it completely explodes and combusts it was so funny it was obviously rigged with it literally rigged with explosives for that effect um it just looked a bit weird um and then the the note that i just put was japes like stuff happens (laughs) 
then this is yeah when jenny gets chloroformed and wakes up in sinclair's bed Mm -hmm. i mean this is another good scene though well first of all her dress and the bed are made of the same fabric it's really (laughs) weird but i was like why why is she like literally the same as the bed but i love the scene where he comes in and she at first you're thinking like oh god she's sympathizing with him but then you're like wait a minute she's not that dumb like and he starts feeding her lines yes. from his previous movies yep. and she's seen all of his movies so she's like calling out what they're from i love that part i think it's so good yeah it was pretty good that bit and yeah it turns out from the end of this scene that she she hadn't been fooled all along and she whacks him with a, a flower vase and i am but not after not not before he first of all he goes into his closet and pulls out two pieces of lingerie for her to pick from. Why does he have women's lingerie in yep. his closet with all of his I suits? I thought that. That's yep. my first question. Who, who, who wore my it first? My second thing is, there is a moment where she says something about trying it on. And there is this facial expression that is almost like a half wink that he does. <laughs> That made me laugh so hard. We we went back and watched it again <laughs> because I just couldn't. It was like the most drunken, weird. I don't even know. It was the best thing I've ever seen. I really liked as well. Like when he when she first comes round, like he he wakes her up with smelling salts and then passes her a whiskey. And I was like, you know, when you've been an, a, anesthetized by a villain, and the first thing you want when you come round is a glass of whiskey. Like, <laughs> this is the 1930s this is how they do things but yeah so she gets him to you know help her out of the dress and then cracks him around the face and he gets knocked out and she'd seen him enter the room through a bookcase so she goes to the bookcase finds the right book which of course is Casanova because ugh (laughs) gross and uh, when the bookcase swings open she finds a radio and when she tries it out of course, people on the other side are speaking German because, as I said earlier, of course, I'd guessed it from the start. He was a Nazi spy. The whole time. Yeah. <laughs> and then we go back to the club. I've put nobody there but Patsy. Who the hell is Patsy? <laughs> <laughs> That's an amazing note. I have no idea. Oh, oh, they don't go back to the club. They go back to the cafe. Patsy was the... <laughs> Oh, the young yes. girl who, by the way, we, I don't, did we, did we meet her at any other point in the movie? She, because I was very confused about Yes, she, she is set up throughout, but um, this was the first point where she becomes plot relevant. So that's why I was so right. confused. And the only point, really. Yeah. So yeah, there's this little girl yeah. that lives there called Patsy. Um, the phone rings and Cliff answers and it's, he's told come, that he's got to come to the Griffith Observatory or we're going to kill your girlfriend. So, just as he's about to leave, the FBI turn up as well, and they drag him to Hughes's hangar. PV explains it all to Howard, and uh, luckily, Howard Hughes, who, you know, nice guy, John Locke lookalike, says that he believes <laughs> he believes them, that they're not bad guys. Oh, but he also shows the Nazis' plan, mm-hmm. remember? Oh, yeah. He's like, roll it. Like, he's ready with... The- 
in the video. Like, he knew this was coming for some reason. He's just been dying to be able to play this. And it's like a Nazi propaganda animation, which I will say the animation was, like, really cool. Yes. Like, just the style. Yep. I was like, this is the coolest thing. And basically, the Nazis want to replicate the rocket pack so they can have a Nazi army. Yeah, a flying army of Nazis. That flies in to America. I love it. show it flying into America. And then, like, the White House is, like, rubble. And then the the American Eagle turns into, like, the Nazi. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, it's um, a bit much. And so that's their plan. That's your token bit that you get in every Disney live action film where they suddenly remember that they're an animation studio. <laughs> there's, the, right. there's always that like two minute section where they do that. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. So now we know the plan. Flying the Nazis. Thing, the note that that's I wrote as well was um, this whole scene just reminded me of many boffins died to bring us this information. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, because he goes... Oh, and he was like, pay attention because people died to get this out of there. Yeah. Like, whoa, whoa, this is serious stuff. So he Well at this point he heads over yeah, so to the observatory. We're gonna have the big showdown now, right? Yeah. Towards the end of the So film. he escapes <laughs> by like hanging off a prototype oh, and, yes. and it like glides out of the hangar because he's like holding on to it. It's pretty pretty funny. Um yeah, we get to the rendezvous point. It turns out, so they're holding her hostage, but it turns out the mafia did not know that he was a Nazi. No. So he, Cliff brings it up, and then um, Jenny can confirm. She's like, have you seen his secret room? Yeah. <laughs> and the mafia is suddenly all upset. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, oh, well, you're the mafia. Like, you'll just work for anybody, right? And he's like, he has some line about like I'm a hundred percent American and I don't work for no two bit. <laughs> I may not make an honest book, but I'm a hundred percent American. And then yeah, so we get a really cool bit where the mob and the FBI are like fighting up, together yeah. against the Nazis because yeah. Oh, by the way, the Nazis turn up. <laughs> Oh, oh yes. Um, first of all, he was hiding an entire army <laughs> yeah. and a blip. Oh yeah, he was just hiding a blip yeah. somehow <laughs> that just pops up into the sky. But yeah, I mean, how beautiful that the Nazis can bring the FBI and the mob together. Yeah, you know? and I again, from the very, very brief bit of research I did for this, I found out that that's that's kind of what happened during the war was that the mob, uh, various mobs, all kind of sided you know as as they say you're american before you're this that and the other so that apparently it's quite accurate of the time that they did wow, kind that's, of that's I, crazy it kind of reminded me of you know the way smugglers in star wars often helped out the resistance and the republic right, and stuff right. but yeah <laughs> everything comes back to star wars with me <laughs> it's i mean they're space nazis so you know i feel like every everything comes back to People against Nazis. It was funny because I thought to myself, like, whoa, that's a pretty heavy thing. And then I realized, wait, no, but Disney has, like, Indiana Jones. And that's, like, very blatantly against Nazis. And then they have Star Wars. And that's against space Nazis. So maybe Disney just really likes that plot line. I don't know. So, yeah, Sinclair's just like, right, I'm off now. Bye. Um, Oh, and now he starts talking with a German accent. Yes, all of a sudden. Right. Um, yeah. So now we know he's actually really German. He was just faking being British. So he, even course. though he doesn't have the rocket in his hands, he does have Jenny. So the plan is if he takes her up onto the Zeppelin to escape, the rocketeer will have to intervene 
And they keep mentioning that obviously at this point, um, Zeppelins were full of hydrogen. So one bad shot could mm. blow the whole thing up, which probably then don't bring it to a three-sided battle. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably not the best use of transport. But he had it just hanging out in the park, you know? He, he spent all that. that. I still can't get over that dramatic rise of the Zeppelin. You're just like, where was that this how did nobody in California notice? Look, I've spent four days blowing it up. I'm going to use the damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Sinclair gets on the on the Zep with Jenny and the Hitman. Yeah, we get our shot of the FBI working with the mob. Um, mm-hmm. a rocketeer away, off he goes into the sky. Um, and there's this. Also, at this point, I thought they've talked about gunshots possibly blowing up this thing nobody seems very concerned about the two jet engines strapped to this guy's back that he's just (laughs) aiming straight at it (laughs) (laughs) but yeah we get a brilliant ruckus on the top of the zeppelin hitman versus rocketeer um which was that an indiana jones reference oh yeah could be because my it's very similar to when he's fighting the other the big guy in um it was rage of the lost ark i think and he kicks him in the crotch <laughs> and like that whole thing is very reminiscent of that yeah. scene i think it's meant to be i think it's meant to reflect that indiana jones scene which makes sense You've got the the little guy fighting the big nazi yeah. it seems it's the same thing it's the same movie pretty right? much yeah and then we get another <laughs> bit of one of the funniest things in the film for me was um the hitman ends up attached with the he's, he's attached to the zeppelin with a harness so he can't fall off but um the rocketeer manages to smash him over the edge and then we cut to inside the cockpit of the ship where someone says you know don't worry we've got the best pilot in germany and then the pilot gets chucked out the window it's just like yeah. so the line is delivered kind of like don't worry we've got the best pilot in germany ah! yeah it's fantastic <laughs> um so the rocketeer is like hello everybody i'm here to save the day um and you know they're saying you know don't jenny's saying don't give it to him but you know He'd, he'd rather give it back and have Jenny back and save the day and all that. So, but but he slowly moves his piece of gum yep. while he's passing it along. So, so very important. So there is again a big bullet hole in the rocket, and they him and Sinclair slap each other around a bit. Again, scaring me quite, you know, making me quite anxious. Jenny then fires a flare gun on her, <laughs> which yes. why do they? bounces all over why do they have a flare gun on a zeppelin i don't know (laughs) uh yeah then we get a fire in the cockpit and sinclair's like right well i'm i'm off then um so he he straps the rocket to himself and the funniest thing in the whole movie (laughs) completely unintentionally as he flies off he obviously explodes in a ball of flame and it is the worst cgi effect i have ever seen it's so great though it's so great at that point in the movie you've gone through so much like ridiculous dialogue and like just things happening that i think at that point in the movie we were just like yes this is the most brilliant ridiculous way to like finish off this villain you know like i was all for it at this point it's basically like i think they must have had timothy dalton like laid on a like box or something just flailing his arms around going ah and then just basically <laughs> color corrected him bright red and that is the entire effect like <laughs> yep. 
It's yeah. funny. And then he crashes into the Hollywood land sign, specifically into the land part, so now it just says Hollywood, which I'm I'm yeah. pretty sure is not how it happened in real life, but okay. Yeah. I I that was that was the moment where I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> They managed to get off the Zeppelin, but I... Oh, yeah, because Hughes. Hughes turns up in a, in a prototype helicopter, doesn't he? Yeah. And yeah. saves the day The before the Zeppelin what? goes bang. And then we get our, finale, our final scene where we're back at the cafe and the paper basically says that Sinclair died in a freak accident. Doesn't say that he was a Nazi or anything. Then Right, right, they cover that yeah. up. Yeah. And then Howard Hughes turns up outside, lands in his plane, which is again a little BG plane like at the beginning, and gives it to Cliff as a prezi. And Hughes asks Cliff what it was like um, being the Rocketeer, and he said, it's the closest to heaven I've ever been. And he's like, oh, oh, oh wait, no, because no, I've got a girlfriend now, so I can't say that, can I? <laughs> <laughs> Basically. Then you do have that funny moment where they're kissing and then PB's like, so they got the blueprints back because um, she took it, I think. Jenny took it when she was in the small yeah. room and he's getting all excited about it and he's like trying to tell them. He's like geeking out about it, but they're just kissing each yeah. other. And then he realizes this and then he like finds someone else to tell. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I like that. That was actually quite funny. And then we get our final shot of like... Uh, it's obviously a camera on a rig flying up into the sky yes. and we watch as everybody and like credits roll. You know, gathers around the plane and, and we're done. <laughs> so that's that was the film. Yeah. So what did you think of it? You know one thing I was gonna say we didn't mention because it's something throughout is um it has i think a really really great theme song yes um yeah. it's very 90s disney film and i like that it's like very emotional and big overture yeah. and and it's used constantly throughout the film in like different scenarios to me like it's honestly one of my favorite film scores i think cool i mean it's um, it's it fits very well because it's very it's a very over the top film but it's a very grand sort of score as well isn't it so so it works yeah and and fun fact um when epcot when fountain nations which obviously is now being worked on slash going to go bye-bye um did their they would have the the fountain go off to music every 15 minutes um if you like stood around and there was different theme songs and one of them was the score of the rocketeer oh, right and it actually worked really really well um but the funny thing is that I bet most people had no idea what they were listening to. No, probably not. <laughs> um, yeah, and so that, and then there's like a small Rocketeer reference in Hollywood Studios. It's really tiny, um, where you, the, you can see the helmet. Um, if you go off of, God, I'm blanking, Hollywood Boulevard, walking towards, say, 50s prime time, you make that little yeah. turn. It's behind some of the stores. But I feel like that's that's, you know... As far as I know, those are the only, like, in-park references. Um, And it's funny because I do think that this film has, like, a really big cult following. Um, So I always thought that they would do something a little more with it. But it's also, I mean, honestly, I liked it a lot more than I thought I was going to. I thought that I was going to watch it and be like, oh, gosh, I just like this as a kid and it's not a good film. 
I actually thought it was really fun, and my husband had never seen it before, and he loved it. He was like, it was so ridiculous, but like, I think when you can embrace the ridiculousness, it's actually not a terrible film, though I will say that you were right, that there are some like convoluted parts of the plot. I think it kind of works, though. I think they've they've intentionally made it overly complicated and for for laughs almost and i think it does right the plot does fit the the very silly tone like nothing no part of this film takes itself seriously i mean it's it's about weird you know nazis with prosthetic faces and you know flying men at the end of the day (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i wasn't sure if it was going to be actually good or not because Whenever Rob talks about it, I can never tell with Rob if he's being sarcastic or not. <laughs> oh, this is 100% a Rob movie. Like, while I was watching it, I was like, I totally under... Like, I just know him and I know how his brain works. And I'm like, yeah, this is a... I get it. I get why he loves this movie. <laughs> okay, yeah. So, any other final thoughts before we wrap up? Um, I... You know, of all of the, like, older live action films that I think are on Disney Plus, I I would recommend a, a viewing of this. I feel like it is one that I would say like, yeah, you should sit down and give it a cool. chance. I, it's it's just a fun movie. I I agree on pretty much everything. Like it was it's very much a nineties film in tone and execution and uh, as you say, the soundtrack and everything. The effects were in most places pretty decent. Um as I said earlier, the they had a pretty boy for the main character, but he actually was he, he was passable as an actor as well, which worked really well. As you said, you said as well, there's some pretty big stars in this film, especially, especially mm-hmm. Jan from The Office, who saw that coming. So yeah, I I had a really good time with this film, to be honest. So we always decide how many gems we've discovered with this film. Um, and basically just giving it a rating out of 10. Um, you can use decimals as well. It doesn't have to be whole numbers. So if you had okay. to give it a number out of 10, what would you give it? Hmm, I would give it... I thought you said gibbet then. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I forgive it. No, um, I would give it a... I'm going to give it a 7.8. Wow, okay. That's good, because I've mm-hmm. given it a 7.75. Whoa! So, That puts it really high up on our list because we've started a new leaderboard this year. Um, I don't dare bring up the leaderboard currently on my laptop because it tends to, if I'm doing Skype and Audacity at once, then anything else that brings up can crash it. So I'll, (laughs) but I know that means it's pretty high up on there. Um, So yeah, brilliant. Just so you know, for next week's episode, so we've just done The Rocketeer. Chris has been very mean and picked a crap film because just to get back at me because the last film that we recorded was bedtime stories with adam sandler which he was he Mm. was not happy about and as it turned out (laughs) neither was i when i watched it Uh, (laughs) but um as payback chris's pick is the tim allen film wild hogs so that's gonna be fun oh gosh (laughs) that'll be our last recording before i go away so uh go away forever so yeah yeah, that this could be the the penultimate episode that we've just recorded (laughs) 
Okay, so thanks again so much for coming and joining us today, Christine. It's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, I'm glad I could share the joy of the Rocketeer with everybody. I think it was a very good idea for us that um, we let guests pick the movie because it does mean that we actually get some decent ones and not just, you know, people trolling <laughs> themselves and getting picking terrible. So that's been great. Um, where can people find you on the internet? Um, gosh, I'm all over the social medias, <laughs> but, um, if you search for Ivy Winter on YouTube, you'll find my channel. I am Ivy Winter YT on Twitter. I tweet a lot of nonsense, <laughs> <laughs> so you should be following that. And, uh, uh, Ivy Winter on Instagram. I was going to ask what you're working on for your next video, but to be honest, this, this episode's not going up till like near the end of April. So it will be out of date by then anyway. So never mind. That's well, by that time, I've already been in a. Disney oh, yeah, that's before. true. Well, yeah, we both <laughs> will because I'll be back by then. Yeah. Well, if, you know, if the coronavirus hasn't closed the park down. <laughs> you know, I think Mickey will persevere. I think we'll be all right. <laughs> what you won't be able to see is like underneath the costumes, the cast members are in full hazmat suit. Be- <laughs> right? <laughs> just drenched in like soap (laughs) you know when it's really hot and they have those fans that shoot uh, water out they'll have filled that with (laughs) yeah oh god can you imagine getting that in your eye (laughs) anyway yes thank you so much christine it's been great of course it was fun Uh, oh yeah my social media as well i should probably tell other people where they can find us and we are on twitter at podwam and my twitter is at timblesrh and we're also on instagram at without a mouse bye (laughs) (laughs) i I never know how to sign out of these things i always feel really awkward you could could just say have a gibbet have a a great big beautiful tomorrow Without a Mouse is part of the We Made This Podcast Network. Logo by Chris House. Theme tune by Ether Orr. Previously on the We Made This Network. The X-Cast, an X-Files podcast. This is God stuff. I am so out. (laughs) I'm not buying any of what you're selling. Now, if you told me this was, you know, a little gray man from Alpha Centauri or whatever, he'd be all in. If it had to do with lights in the sky, I'm your guy. Religion, nope. This is all just hoo-ha. I don't believe any of it. So it, it widened there. Yeah, I'm off to see uh, Jesus Christ Superstar instead. Yeah, no, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Cinemortuary. I'm quite tempted to uh, get, you know, one of them shit house trophies that they used to give out, like, at school. For, you know, the like, ones that cost, like, 15 quid from a shop in Ooh, town. Yeah. And I might engrave each year the, uh, the winner of the film of the year. I don't keep it in my ear, though. You can have that on your mantelpiece. piece. Just get yeah. second-hand ones from, like, fucking charity shops that have got, like, a footballer kicking a ball and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Something completely out of context. Money, yeah. I'm not going to tell you how, but I can get my hands on those trophies right away. It's just like the kids' dance school uh, in the same building where I work or suddenly have less trophies. But wow. I, I don't think they'll listen to this podcast, so it's okay. <laughs> Fuck them. Sorry, kids. 
free with this month's issue. Okay. I do remember, I, saw, I think I saw him at Leeds when they were doing the tour for this, and I thought his arms were helium, because when he wasn't holding a microphone, <laughs> yes. his arm was always flailing in the air. Brilliant. And I thought it was just the one arm, and then he changed hands and did it with the opposite arm, and he's like, well, what the fuck is wrong with this dude? I think he's just really awkward, and that's like, he's just like, I've got to do something with <laughs> yeah. my other hand. I need to do something with this. <laughs> Maybe he is a crotch grabber <laughs> by natural. Other people's own. Just no his own. Yeah, and he's just like, no, I'll, I'm he's not, not doing it. Not I've seen Trump. loads of pictures of me <laughs> holding my own cock and balls while on stage, and I don't want to do that anymore. Because I've I've seen a singer do that, and it's just like, oh, are you are you a toddler that needs to go to the toilet, mate? This is not a strong look. <laughs> Check out all of these shows and more on the We Made This podcast network.